Hansen. Morning, everyone. Well, it's wonderful to be here today. And just in case you don't know, I'm supposed to be Dr. Ben Sia, <laughs> who is supposed to, who is slotted in for this spot to speak about Abraham on uh, this particular passage. But he is, um, his brother-in-law has passed away, and so we have to go back to Malaysia to spend time with them. And uh, so very sad for them. We've been praying for them, but um, I'm here. And that's, uh, that's wonderful. This is one of my favorite passages. And it's, uh, and I guess really, um, we're back to our series in Genesis. I'm sure we remember perhaps before Easter, we were doing Genesis from the beginning of the year. Yes, good. This means yes. This means I don't know. Anyway, it's good to, um, we're getting back to Genesis. And we've just heard uh, from the scripture it's all about Abraham and his calling from God. And I think that um, this is such an important part. You see, the first 11 chapters uh, uh, of the Bible um, deal with the 2,000 years before Abraham. It took 11 chapters. It went straight through it in 11 chapters. And up to now, it's Abraham. And, and Abraham is actually 2,000 years before Christ. But then the next uh, from chapter 11 or the end of chapter 11 through to Genesis 25 is all about Abram. And so it just really gives us a bit of a picture of when you focus on the thing that's more important, you spend more time on it. And Moses spent a lot of time writing about Abram. And um, goes, uh, it shows how important it is. Not just to the people who Moses is writing to, but to us as Christians. Because Abram is um, he's famous because he's a father of the faith. And um, there are many people around the world who revere or honor or respect Abram, and, uh, and, they, and that helps make his name great. He's honored by the Jewish people, he's honored by Christians, and he's also honored by the Muslim world. That's well over half the world honors this man, Abram, from such a long time ago. And the story starts, oh, hang on a second, I've got to do this. The story starts in Genesis, but before that, he's in, oh, yes. He's, he starts in a place called Ur, not Melbourne. Ur of the Chaldees. And this is part of the Sumerian kingdom. And um, they've done some, I don't know, I was reading the other day or hearing the other day about the, the area he lived. And they reckon... The, this area of Ur was about 150 acres. Okay, and I have no idea what an acre looks like today. In fact, it's very hard for me to concept of what is a hectare. But I decided to figure it out on the weekend or last week. So Melbourne CBD is here. And if we took 150 hectares and popped it there with a population of 24,000 people with a library in the city of Ur, it would look something like that. 150 acres. And so this is where a little town wasn't developed like Melbourne, but they had a library, they had mathematics and all sorts of stuff there. And uh, this is where Abram started out. But um, he got a call. And Terah, this is back in Genesis 11, the chapter before, uh, Terah, his dad, took Abram, his son, and, the, and, and Lot, the son of Haran, that's... Um, who had, who had died, that's um, Abram's nephew, and Sarai's daughter-in-law to go to the land of the Canaanites. So it sounds like Terah is the one who heard. But in fact, if we look 
at this um, in the scriptures, we find from from uh, Stephen in Acts, he says that Abram actually was called when he was back in Ur. And it says here, and he, God, said to him, Abram, go from your country and your relatives and come to the land which I will show you. Then he left the land of the Chaldeans and settled in Haran. And from there, after his father died, God had him move to his, this country in which you, this is the Jews that Stephen was talking to, are now living. So the issue here is that Abram heard God's voice. And uh, as he's the father of faith, we can learn about faith from him. And if we also say that we want to be uh, people of faith, or in fact children of Abraham, we have to learn to hear God's voice too. This is one of the things that Abram could do and has done. And so if it's possible for him, it's also possible for us if we want to walk in faith. And so we can expect that Abram's experiences of God are something we as the readers can reasonably expect to copy and experience along with those who wish to follow him, all the rest of us. And as he was able to hear God speak, then we should also be able to hear God in a similar manner. Romans 10, 17 tells us this. Faith comes from hearing and hearing from the word of God. When we hear God and then do what he asks, we're acting in faith. It sounds simple, doesn't it? And um, there are many times in my life when I've heard God speak to me. From big things like um, what your career is going to be, where you should study, where you should go to. These are big things. We don't make those choices very often, but these are significant choices. And when they happen, it's good to listen to them. In fact, I remember when I was uh, making the decision about whether I should do uh, teaching or not, there's a verse from Ecclesiastes that says, when the tree falls to the north, north, or to the south, where it falls, there it lies. And what I, what I thought about that was that there are many people here and many people around who are making significant decisions for their future. And their life is like the tree, and if it falls to the north, or it falls to the south, there it's going to lie, and it's very hard to move that tree around to the right way. And so when I made this decision about which way I should go to go and to do teaching and to go into missions, this is a choice I had to make to fall this way, the way God wanted. Because I knew that if I'd made the other way, I would be dissatisfied about it. And I would have to go back and try and undo those choices to bring it back to the way God wanted, if in fact it was possible. And so it's really important for us, when we are hearing God's voice about our future, that we pay attention and make sure which way do we want our life to go. So, big things God talks to us about. He also gives us warnings about potential conflicts that are to be avoided. He also tells us about little things that might encourage us. Like I remember a time Kath and I were praying about whether we should buy some milk. We had limited resources, almost as limited as Hanson. And so we thought, we have only a little bit of money, so we need to pray, how do we spend this money? And it seems like, how can you bother the God of the universe who has created the sun and the, and the, and the earth and solar system and the, and the various, all the different stars and galaxies and so on? How can you bother him? 
about whether you should get some milk. You know, our God is big. He is interested. He's interested in us talking to him about the little things in our life, big and small, every day. And his spirit is more than enough to cope with your questions or your asking or your prayers. And, uh, you know, it's a good thing. So, hearing God's voice. And if, if you have, um, this is something that you can expect as a hallmark of it being walking in a life of faith and as a Christian, as a believer, is to be able to hear from God. Now that voice may be a still small voice. Or it might be the voice of others. Like, you know, you can hear other people speak, right? So sometimes they say things. Now, not everything they say comes from God. But occasionally, something that they may say might really touch your heart. You think, wow, that was from God. Like, just this morning, my wife spoke to me. Now, she is not God. She is, he likes her. Uh, and I do, and many of us do. But sometimes the things she says come right from God's heart. And I really have to do well to catch that and to listen to it. And she said, you know, you need to spend more time with your youngest daughter. And I thought, oh, yes, I do. <laughs> I felt very convicted by it because it's right an area of weakness in my life. And she was faithful and loving and kind to say that to me. And we need to be able to hear God's voice speak to us, even though it comes from others. It's so easy to give them a hard time or to, to rebuke them or to ignore them. But those are the times we need to be able to listen and say, is God speaking here? Because God is so faithful that he wants to speak to us to bring life into our lives. So there are many ways that God will speak, not the least of which is from the Bible. And as we read the Bible, we are able to hear from God directly. He inspired the people to write it, and he inspires us as we read it. It's well worth looking at. And even God will speak to you through the leaders in your life. It might be a husband or a wife, or it might be a mother or a father, it might be a leader at church, wherever it might be. Even if it's an ungodly leader, they can sometimes speak God's word. And we need to be alert to hear God communicating to us. So God spoke to Abram. And now the Lord said to Abram a bunch of stuff. He says, go from your country and from your relatives and from your father's house to the land which I will show you. And I'll make you into a great nation. And I will bless you. Oh, wow. Wouldn't you love to hear that? Sometimes when people speak to you, you sort of zone out after a while. Right? And I would think if I was Abram, I'd say, I'd zone out right after this, and I will bless you. And he says, and make your name great. Oh, yeah, yeah. And then that's it. I think, he's going to bless me, and my name's going to be great. And unfortunately, I think a lot of people who followed after Abraham and thought they belonged to him thought that very thing. They listened to, I will bless you, and I will make your name great. And they dwelt on that. They didn't listen to the next part, which is, and you shall be a blessing. What? Me? Who? Me be a blessing to you? And so they might have zoned out. And I'll bless those who bless you, and the ones who curses you I will curse. And in you, all the families of the earth will be blessed. 
Folks, these three verses are really the crux of the Bible. The first 11 chapters are like an introduction. And here, God explains what he wants for his people of faith. And the rest of the Bible is really, how does this work? What is the outworking of it? How is God going to take those words and make them relevant to every person in the earth? And so the Bible unpacks these verses and how it applies to us as mankind. So what actually is God saying? Well, this covenant that's given here is the first, and it's restated in Genesis about ten more times, or ten times altogether, to Abram and to Isaac and to Jacob, and um, with a bit more or a bit less information on those times, and he talks about it. And so it's called the Abrahamic Covenant. And people today make many contracts and they make agreements. Like you might make a contract to work for somebody and they say in that agreement you will do this, this and this and they will pay you. So it's you do something and they do something. Together it's a contract. You agree to it. It's an obligation on both sides to follow. I promise to do this and you promise to do that. But we know that if one side of the contractee or the contract the person who's doing the contract, they decide not to do those things. Say, for example, you promise to do all this work, but you don't do it. Then the person who has promised on the other side to pay you for it, they're really under no obligation to pay you because you didn't do what you said you'd do. That makes sense? Okay, some of us are struggling with that. That's a good concept, don't you think? I mean, I can check with a few lawyers and so on. But if you say you're going to do this and you don't do it, why are they under an obligation to follow through on their part of the agreement? They're not. So in other words, the contracts are conditional. And so this is a covenant that God is making to Abram, and which God initiated it. Abram didn't initiate it. He said, God, do you want to make a contract with me? God actually said, I want to make this agreement with you. Okay, so God promised to do the following. He's going to show Abram the land he was going to go to. You know, just imagine, I want to show you, I want you to go. And Abram says, where? I will show you. Okay. It means I have to start walking and I don't know where I'm going. Yes. He had to head off into the unknown. And it can be like that for us with God sometimes because this is, where, this is where it's amazing. Abraham believed God so much. When he heard that, he said, went home to his wife and said, Sarah, you might want to pack. Why? Well, because we're going to go to a land. Oh, really? Where? I don't know. Right, he had to believe that God was talking to him. And he had to convince his wife that God was talking to him. How do you know this? Well, I heard this voice when I was out in the field. Really? That is a, that is a very trusting wife. But Abraham was amazing that he has convinced his wife that he had heard from God and she followed. He said he was going to show him the land. And then Abraham was going to be made a great nation. That's the next thing that God said. And that Abraham was going to be blessed. And that his name was going to be great. And that Abraham will be a blessing to others. Now, this is a big job. There's some times that we read that Abraham was a, Abram was a blessing, but, you know, it's actually not just Abram. 
was actually more than Abram that God is talking to. It's Abram and his seed. And the seed is also going to receive this blessing. And God committed to bless them that bless thee and curse them that curses thee. And in thee shall all the families of the earth be blessed. These are really big deals that God is making. And some say that God made this condition. This is a conditional covenant. Uh, sorry, an unconditional, unconditional covenant. He just did it. But there was a condition. What was this condition? What was Abram's part of the deal? He had to leave his country and get out from his kindred and from his father's house. There was a cost to following God. It was a painful one. And it took some time for Abram finally to get out from his kindred, to leave Ur. But the covenant was conditional. See, if Abram didn't leave, God wouldn't have done those things. He wasn't obliged to fulfill the covenant. Now, Abraham believed it was God who was speaking to him, and he followed God to the village named Haran. Perhaps that's why they named it Haran, because Terah's son, uh, Abram's brother, had died. And then when Terah dies, Abram continues on to Canaan. And so we start to see Abram's life and the struggles he had. And as we look at those things, we should be asking ourselves as people of faith, as people who want to love God and walk according to God's purposes, as people who are Christians and hearing about Christian things, we should say, the things that Abraham did is the things I can do better. Can I learn from his life so I don't make the same mistakes? You see, there's one thing to learn from obedience. You just do what's being told. There's another from experience. Like if your mum says, don't touch the stove. Okay, you think, okay, I can just obey her. Or you can put your hand on the stove and burn it and find out from experience. Yes, I will do what my mother says next time. So learning from experience is sometimes painful. But Abraham's life here is to help us don't do some of the things he did, but also to do the things he did do that were good. And so we can note some of the struggles. It took time for him to be fully obedient to God in following his direction. Even though he knew what God wanted, he delayed. He delayed. Do we sometimes drag our heels when God has asked us to do something? I know I have. It might be you're walking by the phone and you had a fight with your brother about a week, a month ago. And you know, I will never, I will forgive him because I'm a Christian. I'm going to church today, but I'll never forget. And you walk by the phone. Actually, you don't walk by the phone. The phone's in your pocket. And you feel God say to you, ring your brother and say sorry. And it gets you in the heart. And you think, I could ring my brother. No, he needs to ring me. You see, the second voice was not God's voice. The first voice was God's voice to get something right. Get right with your parents. Get right with your brother. Get right with somebody. You see, God wants us to not drag our heels in, but to say, yes, Lord, I'm listening to you, and your phone, and get it right. You go to them and get it right. God wants us to restore relationship. Do we hear God speak to us, but ignore him? Or do we take our time to get it done? Folks, as Abram headed off, 75 years old, and with all he had, including male and female servants and flocks and stuff like that. He had to do what God said, and sometimes it took him a little bit of a time. 
But we can do better than that. We can listen to God and obey straight away in his time. You know, Abram had all these flocks and herds and stuff. He was a big-time sheik. He had a whole bunch of guys there, families with him and stuff like that. And he had a trained force. In fact, later on in Genesis, we learned that four kings came and beat the cheese out of the kings of Sodom and Gomorrah and everything like that. And they took Lot, Abram's nephew. So Abraham got his 318 mighty men, or men he'd been training as warriors, and they went and beat the living cheese out of these kings. So Abraham was a, he was a sheik. And so anyway, he came into Canaan and to the plain of Morah and Sechem, and this is the main town in Canaan. And when Abram reached Canaan, God appears to Abram. Did I turn something off? Possibly. No? Yes? Okay. The Lord appeared to Abram, and he said, To your seed I will give this land. Now I'll pick up about the seed a bit later on. But the thing is that, so he built an altar there to the Lord who had appeared to him. You know, when he was obedient to God and he got there after all this time, God appeared to him. It confirmed to Abram, Abram that he was in the right way. God has appeared to him. Folks, there are times when we can meet with God. And I, you know that you know that you know God is actually ministering to you and to speaking to you and encouraging you that this is the right way. It happened to Abram, and it can happen to you. It can happen to you. Something to look forward to. That God will meet you. You just this is the right place. I'm right. I'm walking in the right way with God. And so what Abram did was, now he lives in a tent. Right? And all these guys, they live in tents. They're tent dwellers. And so he builds an altar. You know, they're always building. They seem to be building altars a lot in, this, in, the, in the Bible. And this altar, you know, it's like when uh, America went to the moon. Well, it's not quite like that. But anyway, just imagine. America went to the moon and they planted a flag there and said, we claim this in the name of America. So the moon's America's because they put their flag there. There's the idea of claiming the land. And so when Abram came into the Canaanite land, the land of Canaan, he built an altar and said, God, this is your land. We claim it for you. And so you notice that in different times, Abram goes through that and he plants or he builds an altar there and worships God and invites God to that spot. God has told him to come here. He's here, God. This is yours. God wants to bring you to the place he wants you to be so you can claim this and say, God, this work is your work. This town is your town. This church is your church, God. I claim it for you. We, he wants us, God wants us to be ambassadors for him. This family, if you're the first Christian in your family, this family, God, I'm here in this family. You've brought me here. This family is for you. We bring, as Abraham did, God to that place. So Abraham, even though he lived in a tent, built permanent things there to remind those around him that this place was God's. And then he kept on moving south into Egypt because there was a famine in the land. Now in 2020 hindsight, we would say, no, Abraham, don't go, don't go to Egypt. You know, bad things are going to happen there. Don't go, don't go. But 
That's 2020 hindsight. And we weren't in the famine. If we had you know, all knowledge, if we were Abram, we would, we would know that later on Isaac had the same deal happen. There was a famine in the land. It was a regular deal. And at that time, Isaac changed his main ministry, which was shepherding, and he became a farmer. In the middle of a drought, he farmed and he reaped a hundredfold. He asked God, should I go to Egypt? And God said no. Anyway, that's the future. And so that's, that's Isaac's lesson. But Abram here was still learning. So he sets off and goes down to um, Egypt. And maybe he was fearful. You know, there's a famine. How do I feed my family? And so on. And he moved out of fear and maybe moved down to Egypt. I don't know. But I know that there's times in my life when I've moved out of fear. For example, we'd planned a mission trip in the year 2000, which is a long time ago now, 22 years ago. And we were planning and preparing this. And then they had this big fear sweep across the world called Y2K. Some of you don't even remember this, but some of us do. If you look it up in history books, nothing happened. Right? But at that time, there's this big fear because Y2K, because of the way they programmed the computers, when they reached the, all the numbers turning over to zero... 2000, they only use the last two digits of the year, every computer system was going to crash, planes would fall out of the sky, traffic lights would go off, every, it would be terrible. And so we planned, we'd planned this mission trip to Myanmar. And uh, as we talked about it beforehand, we thought, uh, we don't like to listen to these fear, this fear mongering. Well, uh, okay. And then we made a decision not to go. Folks, it was a wrong decision. We shouldn't have consulted the computer geeks. We shouldn't have consulted the daily news. We shouldn't have even consulted the ABC. We should have just talked to God. And if we'd gone, because we, we were always, it seemed like we we're always playing catch up. We we're six months behind in all the ministry we were trying to do in Myanmar. Because he responded out of fear. But God taught us something. Don't be fearful. That was a good lesson to learn. It just cost us. So, they're heading down to Egypt. And um, in this story, you'll see that Abram talks to his wife. Actually, he talks to his wife and says, listen, you are beautiful. I mean, she's 65 years old. Okay? So, I think their standards are pretty high in terms of beauty. She must have been amazing. 65. And so he says, you are beautiful. And not only that, when Pharaoh sees you, he will kill me and take you as his wife. So do this favor to me. Pretend. No, well, you don't have to pretend because you really are my half-sister. But just say you're my sister and I'm your brother. And so you will save my life. Isn't that fair? That sounds anyway. It's a deception, is what it is. Now, why did he do that? Well, there's actually I read up. I looked in Wikipedia, that resourceful, that reliable source of information, and it said there's a story of two brothers around this time circulating, perhaps in the library in Sumer. And in that library, it says these two brothers. One was a king, and one had a beautiful wife. There's a big conflict, and basically ended up killing the guy and taking the wife. And so Abram thinking, oh, we're coming to a place where there's a pharaoh. 
This could happen to me. And so he believes the press. And he lets fear come into his life. And he doesn't go to the one who's actually led him here in the first place. And so makes some decisions. So the half-truth is told. And then uh, because um, Pharaoh looked at this, this Sarah and said, wow, this is some kind of woman, he paid a bunch of money for her. Sheep, oxen, male donkeys, male and female servants, female donkeys and camels. And people. That was a big bunch of him. She must have been very, very beautiful. And then plagues came upon Pharaoh's house. This is part of the, I guess, I'm going to bless you. And God is, looking, God is actually looking after him and uh, protecting Sarah. And Moses is writing this down, you see, and he's saying, wow, plagues came on Pharaoh even then. And he's the one who knows about big plagues coming on Pharaoh. How it's not clear, but God spoke to Pharaoh. And Pharaoh was alarmed and told Abram to take Sarah back so he'd no longer come under the curse of God. Very sensible. Very sensible. You know, folks, if I was God and I had just met with this guy, he's come out of the Ur of the Chaldees, and I've said I'm going to be a blessing, I'm going to be his big partner, and I'm going to help him with all these things, and he blows it like this, he tells a lie, and gets his wife to tell a lie, and, and all these, I think if I was God, I would be quite justified in giving Abram a hard time. Does anybody agree with me there? Would you give Abram a hard time? You want to say yes, but we're in church, so it's all right. The fact is, you want to give him a hard time, but you know, Abram is a young believer. He's just starting his faith journey for us to learn from. And even though he's come all this way in obedience to God, there is still an area of his heart that's lacking the fear of God. He's afraid of people, not God, in this area. And he has to try to solve the problem in his own strength. And this lying about his wife is something he found difficult to get over because it happened again later on with Abimelech up in Canaan. And also his son Isaac took on the same uh, struggle and he lied about his wife. Same thing. You know, folks, I, I was thinking about this and I think sometimes it's easier for us to believe God to work in our life. Hey, man, I'm going to take this call. Sure, it's just me. I'm going to follow God and go. But I can believe God for me in my life. But you know what I can't believe? I can't believe God in your life. I can't believe God in Pharaoh's life or the ruler's life or someone else important's life. I can believe him for me, but I can't believe him for that person who doesn't really love you. I can't believe you, God, for my sister or my brother or my child. But I can believe you for me, but it's harder to believe for someone else that they would listen to you too, that you could work in their life. You see what I'm saying? But we all, like Abram, come to a place where we need God's help again, even though we are Christians, because we fail again. If we are fearful, we can become proud and think we can do it our own way. You know, God lets us choose our selfish ways, but it will always be a way of striving and leanness and a pain. We'll only be free when we come back to him and build an altar and say, God, Meet me here. You have this place. Take over this place of my fearfulness. Now, does that make sense?
Okay, good. Thank you for that big response. Now the seed, we started to talk about this a bit again, properly. Okay, When Abram reached Canaan, God appears to Abram, and the Lord appeared to Abram and said, To your seed I'll give this land. A number of modern translations, perhaps one you're reading, says descendants, not seed. Now it has the same similar meaning, but it is a plural. And here, the seed is actually a singular. It's only one. Okay, Because we know this because it says in Galatians. And it says in Galatians, it says here, In your seed the nations will be blessed. And in Galatians 3.16, Now the promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. He does not say, and to seeds, as one would referring to many, but rather as referring to one, and to your seed. That is Christ. This blessing, this, all of this is focused on the seed of Abraham, which is Christ. Which is Christ. Therefore, this seed really turns out to be Jesus. And Galatians 3.28 confirms this. It says, And if you belong to Christ, you are Abram's seed. You see, Christ has come. And he wants us to join in with him in his life. If we give our life to him, we are in Christ. And we are therefore part of the seed. Part of Christ. We are Christ. And in Christ we have these blessings. These same blessings that were given and promised to Abraham. Now that's exciting, folks. This is 2,000 years ago to Jesus, 2,000 years back to Abraham. This is the promise, and God wants to happen now to us through Jesus. That we can be part of Abram's family and receive that blessing and be part of that blessing to others. It is through Christ, the seed of Abram, that the world was to be blessed. And Abram's children are blessed. And there are many who wish to have this blessing that God describes. They think of the blessing in a selfish way. I'm going to be blessed. You know, I'm going to have a, I'm going to have a my work is going to be successful. I'm going to get lots of possessions. I'm going to have my position of power and status and standing in the community. And I'm going to be comfortable in this life. These are the blessings that I want. We are greedy for those blessings. And Jesus met many of those people. And they sought to claim this blessing simply because they were descended physically from Abraham. We're children of Abraham, they said. I can trace my ancestry all the way back to Abraham. But there are many today who feel the same way and they want the same blessing just like in Jesus' time. We think we can gain this blessing by being in the right family, going to the right church to the right school, get the right job, marry the right person, then we are living the dream. It's a position of privilege that many of us aspire to. We want the blessings of being the seed, and we are a little bit vague about how we get a hold of that seed blessing. But we want the blessing. But Jesus had something to say to those who thought they could claim the blessing simply because they were born from Abram's line or born into the right family. The Jews answered Jesus and said to him, Abraham is our father. But Jesus said to them, if you were the children of Abraham, then you would do the deeds of Abraham. 
not just physically belonging, it's actually something different. It's a spiritual quality. John the Baptist also said to them that being physically descended from Abraham was not so special. God could raise up children of Abraham from the stones. But for them to inherit the blessing required something more than being related physically to Abraham. To get the blessing required them to have the same qualities as Abraham. To do the works of Abraham. To be able to hear his voice. To be obedient to God's voice and calling. To be a worshipper of God. These are the things that are spiritual qualities that we can learn and we can bring to God and he can help us. So this is exactly so what does this blessing actually look like? What is the nature of this blessing? Well, Peter actually tells us this in Acts chapter 3. It is you who are the sons of the prophets and of the covenant which God ordained with your fathers, saying to Abraham, and in your seed all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So God raised up Jesus, his servant, for you first. He's talk, Peter's talking to the Jews. He raised up his servant Jesus for you first, so that you could receive this blessing of being part of the seed. And he sent him to bless you by turning every one of you Away from your wicked ways. Folks, this is the blessing. Being turned away from your wicked ways. Your wicked ways. Have you ever looked back on your life, old or as young as it may be, and said, oh, I wish I hadn't done that. Oh, those words I said. I made the fight worse. I thought it was going to make it better. I thought it was so smart and cutting and right, and they would just stop. But it made it worse. Have you ever thought back and said, I wish I could go back and change what I did? There's many times I think, oh, if only I'd go back and say that back. If I could only do something different again, I would do it. I've regretted those things. You think about it in your mind and wonder if you'd said or done something different, the fight wouldn't have happened or that breakdown in relationship would not have occurred. Yeah, you made a mistake and you can justify it, but deep down, you know you were to blame. It's like God's nudging our spirit. So it's that our guilt is before us. And we're in turmoil about it. We think about it. It's like you've got a sore tooth and go, oh, that's a pain. I wish I could go. Folks, the blessing is that God wants to come and heal you in that and to restore that situation. As you humble yourself and say, God, I am weak. I failed. I messed up. Can you see? And that's where God, that's the blessing of the seed. You know, I turned from my sinful life when I was 12 years old at a camp. I hadn't very much time to do a lot of sinning, but I was sinful. And so I became a Christian. But from that time to now, there's been many times when I've had been fearful, proud, and sinned. And I've had to come back to God in repentance and confess and rededicate myself to God as I was convicted by his spirit. Today, if you hear his voice in your heart today and you want to turn from your sinful, proud life, and you know you need to follow him, then take some time now to do business with God. Let's bow our hearts before the Lord today, like Abram did. Confess your sins to him and ask him to forgive you. Then declare that you will follow him, just like Abram did. 
And you too can be part of Jesus Christ. To be a blessed by God, to be a blessing to all the families in this earth. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we thank you that you are the answer. You are the one that God spoke about to Abraham. To Abram. To be a blessing that all the families of the world will be blessed. Not a country. Not, a, just a, not just a genetic family, but Father, the spiritual family. And Father, we thank you that we can come to you. Speak to us now. There's things we need to get right in our life, Lord. We want to bring them to you. Forgive us, Lord. And Father, that area of weakness and failure and sin in our life, Father, we want to bring an altar and say, God, Jesus, you've paid the price on that altar. And I want to give this part of my life, all of my life, to you. And I'll do it again and again because I want to follow you. In Jesus' name, amen.